Today's teaching text comes from Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, friends. Good morning, friends. Trinity Grace Church, Park Slope. Greetings from Reconcile, Brooklyn. I'm going to put a little emphasis in the Brooklyn because, you know, that's how we do it out here in Bed-Stuy. We put a little in our Brooklyn. So greetings from Brooklyn. Um, I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. So excited, so pumped to kind of uh, deliver this word with you, um, reflect on it together. Um, Before we dive into that, just special shout outs to my boys, Pastor Caleb and Pastor Josh. Um, They are such an anointing, such a gift to the kingdom, and uh, truly uh, really fun people to hang out with. Um, So if you haven't already, hang out with them. They're great. They're really great people. Um, Now, I could probably spend like hours and hours and hours talking about how great uh, your pastors are and how much I love living in Brooklyn, but I want to dive deep into the scriptures today with you because I believe that God has a word for you today, this morning. Um, Today, God wants to speak to you, wants to meet you where you're at. He's paying attention to you. He understands everything that you've walked into today with, or you're sitting there right in front watching this. He understands everything about your life. The Bible says that God knows the, the, the head count of strands of hair on your body. That's a really specific detail that God knows how many strands of hair on your body. I think that's in the scripture because it wants to communicate to us that God knows you deeply, right? And if God knows you that way, he knows that today he's going to speak to you. And so I want us to open up our hearts and our minds and prepare ourselves to to receive from God what he has for us today. Uh, Now, we're going to be talking about Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they uh, will be called sons of God. Now, Pastor Caleb already shared uh, how the word blessed uh, literally translates in its Greek origin to the word happy. But it's not simply uh, an emotional feeling of momentary happiness. It's a happiness that is meant to reflect our deep inner sense of uh, a flourishing, uh, of an abundant life. The idea here is that the ones that are the peacemakers, they experience this inner flourishing that exemplifies itself as an expression of outward happiness. But not only that, they will be called the sons of God, the children of God. In essence, these peacemakers will be seen by the world around them, by the people around them as the true followers of Christ, as the true believers of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty significant to me because there's a lot of things that people call us Christians today. And it's not always uh, the true Christians, uh, if I can be honest. And so to know that there's, a, there's something that we can do that can uh, uh, signify us as true believers in Christ, the ones that are true children of God, uh, I'm excited about that. And so what does it mean to be a peacemaker? And what can we do to be intentional about making this peace? Well, we find the same Greek word for peacemaker um, that's in Matthew 5, 9. We find that same word um, in Colossians 1, 20 with some clues to uncover what the meaning of peacemaker is. Colossians 1, 20 reads this way. It says, and through him to reconcile to himself, whether on earth or heaven, making peace 
by the blood of his cross. Now the word there, making peace, is literally the same word, peacemaker, that we find in Matthew. Um, and that word is, is trying to describe what reconciliation is. It's that making peace is trying to articulate what being a peacemaker is. Webster's Dictionary defines the peacemaker as the one who makes peace, especially by reconciling. Oxford's Dictionary says the peacemaker is the one that brings about peace, especially by reconciling. So we're, 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 we're seeing a trend here uh, that, that peacemaking has something to do with reconciliation. So to be a peacemaker um, is to be an active agent of reconciliation. That's what it means to be a peacemaker. As followers of Christ, uh, as Christians, it is our mission to work towards bringing about reconciliation, bringing about restoration where there is brokenness, uh, bringing about hope where there is uh, no options to see, right? Bringing about new life where there is death and decay. It's our calling to bring about reconciliation. I want to read to you a scripture. In fact, this scripture that I'm going to read in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, here at Reconcile Brooklyn, uh, it's our purpose verse. It's the verse that has spoken to us and given us vision and mission um, for our community and what God is calling us to do. It reads this way. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it's you and me, brothers and sisters, those of us that are followers, believers of Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone away. The new is here. We have new life for those of us that are in Christ. But it says this, all of this new life, All of this is from God who reconciled us to him Uh, and then also gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He says that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, uh, but he committed us to the message of reconciliation. And then verse 20 says, we therefore are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. See, we who believe and who have been transformed by Christ are his ambassadors for restoration. Uh, It's on us as if God were making his appeal through us. Uh, This is why uh, the the peacemakers will be called uh, sons of God or children of God, the true followers of Jesus. Because when we're peacemakers around, God is making his appeal through us. He's making his case through us. He's working through us. And, and, And that will be some pretty good evidence of what Christ is doing around us based on what we do. And so that's the, that's the comparison there. So, so, so let's get to it. How do we do it? How do we be a peacemaker? Let's get down to it. The first point here, uh, to be a peacemaker, number one, we have to receive the peace that comes from knowing that Christ has reconciled us, not the other way around, right? The peacemaker has to have the peace of Christ in us. See, far too many of us uh, forfeit the joy and the peace of being in relationship with Jesus because some of us are still under the impression that we have to work to earn or work to maintain the love of God. (laughs) But the scriptures tell us a different story, doesn't it? Scriptures tell us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's what we call grace. The scriptures tell us that uh, uh, all we had to do was believe by faith. Right. Uh, and, and, and what he tells us is that that faith to believe was given to us as a gift. <laughs> but then not only that, 
The scriptures tell us that Christ, once we're believers, he's working in us, giving us the desires and the ability to do the things that please him. And so from beginning to middle to the end, Christ is working in us, helping us to sustain what he has done for us. And so the emphasis is not on what we we think we've done to obtain the love of God. No, no, no. We've just been recipients of it. And so in order for us to truly embrace the, the idea that Christ has reconciled us, not us reconciling our relationship with Christ, we must accept the peace that comes along with knowing that he did the work. There's so much anxiety uh, that exists right now because people think that they're one mistake away from Christ canceling them. <laughs> but the scriptures tell us that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. The scriptures tell us that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing in all of creation. And last time I checked, you and I are created beings. So not even you and I can do anything to separate us from the love of Christ. Man, that is the promise of the gospel. And so for us as believers, first step of being a peacemaker is to receive the peace that God has given us. And to take off the burden of feeling like we need to earn the the favor or love of God. So that's what it means to to take that, uh, that idea that Christ has reconciled us to him. Now, now, the next way that we can be peacemakers is by bringing reconciliation to others, okay? Uh, bringing peace to others. Now, on one hand, we, we could talk about how bringing this reconciliation and this peace to others uh, could be exemplified by bringing the gospel to people, bringing the message of, uh, of Christ and of hope to people, right? And, and we could spend a whole sermon on how to do that and an approach to do that. But what I want to do today with you is highlight the other side of the coin, um, which is this. My second point that is to be a peacemaker is to bring reconciliation and restoration and peace to people for people. So that there can be reconciliation amongst us all, so that we can experience restoration amongst us all between individuals. An acknowledgement and a celebration of a, of a God-endorsed diversity, one that celebrates uniqueness and, and, the, and the tension that exists between trying to come together. But it's not a bad thing. It's something that takes work, but it's something that God has embraced and endorsed. There's a quote that I want to read to you by Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil. She provides a pretty good biblical definition for the word reconciliation, particularly for this context. She says this um, in her book, Roadmap to Reconciliation. She says, reconciliation is an ongoing spiritual process involving forgiveness, repentance, and justice that restores broken relationships and systems to reflect God's intention for all creation to flourish. Now that sounds beautiful, right? Relationships and systems being restored to reflect God's intention for creation to flourish. I love the idea. But here's the thing though. Uh, It's going to cost us to pursue that. It's going to cost us to pursue reconciliation if we want to see uh, God's design and intention for all people to flourish. And see, we won't achieve this unless we're willing to endure the suffering and the sacrifices that come along with pursuing reconciliation for all people. And and the trick here is that uh, it's going to look a little different depending on the position that you're in. What do I mean by that? Well, 
your, your approach to reconciliation will look different depending uh, on if, if you're on a position of privilege or if you're in a position of pain. If you're coming from a context of privilege in a scenario, or if you're coming from a context of being pained by an individual or by a system or by something, your approach to reconciliation is going to look a little different. To each opportunity uh, uh, to bring about reconciliation, to bring about peace, uh, we're going to find ourselves either in a position of power or being powerless, uh, a position of having the upper hand or not. Um, And for the ones with privilege, seeking reconciliation must involve a, a degree of humility that will allow for us to see our privilege and decrease so that others may increase. The Apostle Paul, um, many don't know this, but was a, was a man of privilege. He was a man during an era where men were deeply overprivileged over women. Um, he was a Pharisee-trained Jew. I mean, he was trained. He was, a, he, was, he was cool in the Pharisaical community, right? It's a little privilege there. Top that off, he was a Roman citizen. It gave him a little bit more privilege to move around and do things. And check out what... Paul did with his privilege. He always used it to uplift the disadvantage. He always used it to leverage himself to help those that were in need and marginalized by bringing the gospel to places where it couldn't go. You see, Paul was a person that understood his role and understood the things that he, he didn't have to work for, that he just gained and used it to leverage uh, the gospel, to advance the gospel. You see, I think about... Um, me and my wife, um, you know, don't tell her this, but I'm always right. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, listen, I, I tend to always think that I'm right when we're arguing. Um, and she and I both know that that's not the case. But, but I tend to think that way when we get into arguments and debates and fights because, you know, I think about the books I've read and the things I've experienced, the stories I've heard. And so I think I, I come in with a certain degree of like, well, I, I have the knowledge that you don't have. And so it makes me feel like, I, like I'm in a position to kind of like uh, 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 overpower her with what I think I have here. But the truth is uh, the mature me has to take back what I see, look at what I've, what I think I have and decrease myself to uplift my wife in that scenario. You see, my, 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 my therapist would be clapping right now just to hear me say this <laughs> because I'm celebrating the fact that, listen, I know, I, I know what I come with, but I care so deeply about someone that I think, hey, you know what? Maybe I think that I know more. See, the, Paul talks about this too in Romans 14. He says, those of us Christians that think that we are strong in the faith, he gives us a, a, a scenario, he gives us steps on how we're supposed to be towards those that are weak in the faith. There's always a humility that's supposed to come when, you, when, you, when you're privileged, right? when you're a person that has a little more. And so we need to look around. Um, and see where are the scenarios, the context where we can decrease ourselves so that those that are disadvantaged, those that are voiceless, those that are forgotten can be uplifted so that God's intention for all people to flourish can, can move a little bit more closer. Um, see, but uh, there's also going to be people uh, that are going to be called to pursue reconciliation from the other side. From the position of pain, from the position of being forgotten, and from the position of being oppressed. Um, and see, the truth is, um, 
For those of us on that spectrum, we have to be willing to forgive. Ultimately, we have to have that ready. Whether we've been hurt by a family member, by a coworker, or by a system. You see, there has to be a posture of willingness to forgive that's ready in our mind. Now, now, now hold on. I, I get it. I can already tell some people are thinking, no, 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 no. I've been hurt. I, I don't need to forgive. I, I need to call them out. And let me just tell you, I agree with that. You see, the scriptures, there's precedent for this. Luke 17, 3 sets the precedent and says, listen, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. You see what's going on here. If you're experiencing wrongdoing, call them out. If you're in a relationship that's abusive, call them out. If you are in a, in a job scenario where it's abusive, you call them out. It's okay to go to the streets and protest if a system is abusive towards you. Do that. But do that with repentance in mind, not only with punishment. See, far too many of us that have been a part of the oppressed community only want to see the people that have done us wrong punished. Man, what would have happened to Paul if that was what they wanted for him? See, Paul was an oppressive person uh, seeking out to persecute Christians. I thank God that after, that after he, was, that he was rebuked, he repented and was received by a community that forgave him. Man, maybe we need to call people out and call them to repentance with the hope that we could forgive them. I mean, that's reconciliation. That's bold. And I, I know this stuff sounds tough because there are times where, you know, I, I dream about a moment where we could walk into a congregation and see somebody wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt sitting right next to worshiping next to somebody wearing a red MAGA hat. I know that that is going to cause you to cringe a little bit. But man, is it possible that people from different political spectrums can come together and glorify God for what Christ has done for all people and maybe apply what Paul says in Romans, to bear with one another in love. To correct each other in love as brothers and sisters. See, there's, I'm giving you a picture of reconciliation. I'm giving you a picture of being a peacemaker. Church, we have the opportunity to be peacemakers everywhere and to bring reconciliation to every situation we face. And that's admirable. <laughs> and it's exciting. I get excited about it. But let's be honest here. What happens when we need it? Right? When we need the reconciliation in our heart, when we need the peace, when we need restoration to show up, when we need God to show up and bring peace to chaos and uncertainty in our lives. I I'll be honest, this season has been tough for me. It's been difficult. I felt my marriage has been receiving blow after blow. There have been, there have been moments where I didn't I, I know if we would make it. Maybe you've been in there. You've been in those shoes Maybe your job situation has caused you to be, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to make it another day in this job. Maybe your relationship, maybe your family has got you, uh, man, the tension is rising and you just don't know if you can make it another day. Your kids are buck wild. You don't know if you can make it another day. COVID, the health, everything is going crazy. Your mental health, your emotional health, physical health, things are going crazy. It's chaotic. You need strength. You're suffering. And you hear me come over here and say, we need to bring peace and reconciliation to other people. You're like, man, I need peace. I need help. Where's my help? I've been suffering. Is God going to show up? And I want to leave you with this verse. It's the verse that changes me and restores me every time. It reminds me 
that God cares. First Peter 5.10, it says this, and after you have suffered a little while, I don't know if you've been suffering for a little while. It's probably felt like a long time for you, I know. But after you have suffered a little while, the scripture says, the God of all grace, man, this is who he is, who has called you to his eternal glory. This is what we're talking about. Will he himself restore you? Man, I don't know about you, man, but I get confidence knowing that it's not going to be me that will restore me or my best friend or my political party or my favorite social media uh, influencer, that it's God himself. He will restore me, the scripture says, that he himself will restore me. He himself will confirm you. He himself will strengthen and establish you. See, after you have suffered a little while, see, God has a plan to bring you into reconciliation too, my friend. And I have a habit of telling people all this. The gospel is not just for the unbelievers. The gospel is for us that are saved as well. We need to hear that God is constantly restoring the brokenness in us. And so, my friends, I've challenged us to be people that seek the peace and reconciliation around us. I've challenged us But I want to leave you also with a bit of encouragement too that lets you know that God has not forgotten about you. So I want to pray for you in this moment. If you're sitting here and you're around your friends or your family, whoever, you're sitting alone and you're thinking, man, I've been suffering a little while. And that, that strengthening stuff you're talking about, I want that. I need that. I want to be an agent of reconciliation. I do, Pastor Corey, but I... I need it right now. So I want to pray with you right now. So wherever you're at, I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, you have never forsaken us. <laughs> you see, God, your scripture, I mean, the gospel is so beautiful. While we were sinners not looking for you, you showed up in our section and saved us. Died on the cross so that we can have salvation. Then you asked us to believe in you, and then you gave us the ability to have the faith to believe in you as a gift, as a treat, if we would say yes. And then, not only that, as we start to journey with you, the scripture says that you give us the desire and the power to do the things that please you. Lord, why not? How could I ever forget that you're a God that is committed, Lord, to our restoration, to our healing, to our reconciliation to our peace. Blessed are the peacemakers because you're the one making peace in us. (laughs) Blessed are the peacemakers because you're the one that's doing the change in us. Lord, and we receive it right now, God. We receive it, Lord. Spirit of God, we worship you, Lord, right now, God. Lord, we receive it and a testimony is going to come from this moment. Not because of anything that we've done, but just because we've said yes and amen to what you've done. And so we say yes, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace, friends.